The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Everybody and welcome to another edition of Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by uscfootball.com. I'm Rose Keely. You're joined by Ryan Abraham and special guest today, the chief of staff for USC's athletic department, Brandon Sosna. Brandon, I know you are a very busy man. Thank you so much for coming in the studio tonight. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Big shoes to fill in the first post-shotgun era, so <laughs> wow. I hope I live up to the legacy. I heard you also have a food analogy, maybe? Possibly? Ooh. Well, I know how much this show likes food analogies, so I think if you show up in somebody else's home, you got to come prepared. Wow. Yeah. I don't know that. if they like them. I just force them upon the audience. Yeah. They you might... force feed the food analogy. They, they do ask for it, so I don't know if it's just sort of like a painful thing. They just want to keep, you know, it's like that... They're, little scab they keep picking at or whatever but they like the, they seem to like the food analogy so we're looking forward to a good one hopefully okay. i can hopefully i can upstage you and have a better one than oh, you've had. oh look at that he's he's this is your victory lap so this is you know <laughs> <laughs> well we have a lot to talk about obviously we got to ask brandon some burning questions and wherever you're watching facebook youtube or periscope put your comments questions concerns uh, and we'll be looking out for your comments we love hearing from you guys um of course just understand that brandon can't answer everything uh, that you're wanting to know he is uh, obviously in a high position, so there's not some things that he can talk about. But obviously, we want to pick his brain a little bit. Um, for, and if you're watching on uh, Periscope, you tweet hashtag TunnelVision. I'll put your tweet up on the screen. No calls tonight, obviously. Hope you all understand in that sense. But guys, like I said, a lot to talk about tonight. Brandon, I think you are a very popular man as of late. Yes. Um, and you just tweeted out, and I thought this was interesting. You got a lot of uh, love on Twitter Two-year anniversary with USC Athletics. Pretty crazy considering all that you've had to endure uh, in the past two years, the world, the global pandemic. First off, just thoughts on approaching that milestone. Yeah, obviously, have, having had some time to reflect on it just today, thinking back to my arrival at USC for the Holiday Bowl in 2019 and everything that uh, was going on at that time and some of the challenges that we inherited and the work that we were setting out to do and it's hard enough just going somewhere new for any job, any new responsibility. You have to learn people's names. I'm talking like the basic fundamentals, where to go in the morning, <laughs> what you're supposed to do, how you get into your email account. Um, and at that time, there were some things going on, but obviously, you know, our attention right away was on some things that we were trying to do with the football program and uh, the investments that we had targeted to make there. Um, but also within the department, getting to know the staff, having discussion sessions with virtually every unit within athletics, trying to understand what some of our challenges were, what our strengths were, what our opportunities were. And I don't think we really 
process at the time that it was going to become the most volatile time in the history of college <laughs> athletics. But some of those things that have happened over the last two years from the Alston case in the Supreme Court to the introduction of the one-time transfer exception to name, image, and likeness, conference realignment. Uh, there were all of these things that were about to happen that have really altered the landscape of college athletics and just layer in there for fun, uh, you know, once in a generation or whatever global pandemic on top yeah. of that. So certainly never anticipated some of the challenges that, that we would face. But I think in a lot of ways, it helped us come together as an athletics program um, and it helped really rally our staff and unite around this message that we have of being student athlete centered in everything that we do. Yeah, pretty cool. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, yeah. I know, like Keely said, uh, busy guy. It was funny that it got to be the two-year anniversary. Um, I don't think that was planned or anything, right? It just it sort of just happened that it would be the two-year anniversary. Uh, but it, it, it was the only day you were available. That, you're, uh, you're a hard man to, to schedule. So. I'm, I'm actually leaving tomorrow to go you know, Christmas <laughs> break. Uh, but, yo, know, we've tried to do this before. But we do appreciate that. Like, Keely pulled up the video we did, Lunch with the Trojan, during the pandemic, May of 2020, is I guess, when we did that. So that's kind yeah. of interesting. It's been a while. We had, uh, you had more, I had facial hair back at the time. It was, it was a good look. Day. I think you should bring it back. All right. Maybe we'll do that sometime, but I like, <laughs> I like to shave when I can. But for you, like that two years, um, I mean, I think it's gone by fairly quick, but there's also been so much stuff going on. I mean, that I don't know if you anticipated any of the kind of stuff that was happening. I knew you knew there was going to be some big changes in the football program, but it seemed like there were so many different things thrown at you that you're you're like you have your, your sights set on the goal line, but you're like dodging all these tacklers that are coming off the sideline that you didn't even anticipate would be part of the play. Yeah, Mike likes to use the analogy of a gladiator when he when he goes into the Coliseum and he's got tigers coming at him and people coming <laughs> out of all over the place, and it sort of felt like that for for a while. But I think anytime you um, you know as a as a professional and a competitor. Um, you want to be at a place like USC. And for me, a lot of that was about going to a, a school where you can truly compete for national championships. But I think you, you know it's incumbent upon any opportunity like this that you're going to have some challenges and uh, there's going to be things that are going, you're going to confront that are at a really high level that you have to be equipped and, and capable to manage. Mm -hmm. The uh, competitor aspect, I like. I like when you just said that. And I feel like we're going to talk about previous you know, athletic department heads and stuff like that. But I do get a sense much more than I've seen before that there is a competitive nature. And if, if fans are going to say, these guys don't know what they're doing or whatever, it's, it's not like you're like, Hey, I'm going to show you guys what's up. But there's, there's more of a, like, we're not doing this just to like get by just to, because you know, we're USC. It's like, you feel, I feel like there's, you do want to be competitive and you're like, Hey, we can be the best out there. And kind of like, I don't know, maybe like a chip on your shoulder, just like an athlete would that didn't get, you know, like a Tom Brady that got selected in the sixth round or whatever it was. Yeah, I think what I would say to that is um, one of the reasons that for me personally, I chose to be at this level as opposed to the pros is that I like that the work that we do makes an impact on young people's lives. At the same time, we want to win. That's why we're in sports, because we want to win. And the student athletes that we serve every single day Winning is really important to them, too. Yeah. And so, you know, I think the, the most dangerous thing that can happen when when you're leading a sports organization is for at any point in time, the, the people who are fans of your team feel like they care more than you do. Mm -hmm. Because when, when you ever you reach the point where it feels like 
I care more than the people who are responsible for the organization that I love, I think that's when a, a, the, the next level to apathy, whatever it is, whatever is worse than apathy, I think that that's when that, that takes over. So I think w we, we do care. I mean, we, we are passionate about the work that we do and we want to win and we want to win in everything that we do. But it's also important for us that people know that so that they understand that the, the same level of commitment they make to the program and the sacrifices they make to support, and I mean investment of dollars and time and all the things that go into being a fan, that they know that that is reciprocated by the people that are responsible for leading their organization. In that sense, Brandon, since you just stated how much you care, and I think USC fans get that at, at this point, but when you first came in, there was a lot of vitriol kind of just pointed in your direction as well as Mike Bone. What was that like for you as a human to just deal with fans who were frustrated and kind of taking it out of on you at that point? Yeah, I mean, I, I've said this before, but you have to accept and embrace passion in, in all its forms. And sometimes it, it can come uh, in a little bit of a vitriolic way. And, you know, there there is definitely some some disappointment to that. You try not to pay attention to it, but you're right. You are, you are a human being and it's impossible not to see and hear some of the things that, that are being said. And, and quite honestly, my biggest disappointment with it is that when I got to USC, I heard a lot about what the Trojan family represented. And to me, there were some things that were said, the vitriol, some of the personal attacks that to me didn't feel very becoming of what I thought the Trojan family was supposed to be about. And so I hope, you know, maybe there's some part of this that can be a learning lesson for all of us about, you know, how to how to go about those things. But it's not about us. Uh, you know that when you come to a place like this, you sign up for the level of scrutiny that that we've been under. And uh, at the end of the day, it's our job to deliver. Mm -hmm. It's funny at the at the end of the day. Obviously, we hate to see it. I mean, there's personal attacks on coaches, on players, on administrators, on us. It you know that when you put yourself out there, you're open to those kind of things. But there's some of there's part of it like you understand that <clears throat> it's been run so poorly for so long that the next person to take over, the assumption is going to be it's going to continue to be run poorly, and so they they sort of will pigeonhole you into like they're going to run it the same way it was run before. Yeah, and I would just say to that that, you know, not speaking at all to the way things were before, I really don't know. But I assure you that nobody has higher expectations for us than we do for ourselves. And so um, we show up with that same degree of relentlessness every single day and uh, in, in everything that we do across, you know, football. I think sometimes people look at athletic directors or people that are in my role and think that we're just general managers of, of football programs, yeah. uh, when in reality we have – 21 sports and 600 athletes and uh, college athletics departments are extremely complex organizations that are very unique. And so there's there's a lot more to it than that. Um, but that standard of excellence that we have at USC is something that, that we take seriously and work very hard to uphold. I mean, uh, I, I talk about this when I'm recruiting people to USC. I'm just talking about staff members or coaches, but... Um, you're going to win a national championship in something every single year when you're at USC. It's just a question of which sports and how many. Yeah. And that's not something you can say everywhere else. I, In my office in Heritage Hall, I look out over our track facility and I think maybe probably take for granted the fact that every single day there's an Olympic gold medalist out there training and practicing either those who have already won gold medals or some that will win them in the future. And that is just uh, an element of USC that's really unique really special and something that I know, you know, our, our people take a lot of pride in, but it, it, it is something that you have to work with great urgency and purpose to uphold. Mm -hmm. 
In that sense, is there something about USC that you didn't anticipate before you took the job that now you, you see and maybe uh, cherish? Yeah, I don't know that there was anything I, I didn't anticipate that, that I now cherish. I mean, um, I really love the people. Um, I really do. We have some wonderful, wonderful people. I, and I mean, within our athletics program, within our sports, across the university, within our fan base, um, for all of the, the negativity that, that we talked about earlier that exists in you know some parts of the, the internet or the peristyle, um, there have been some people that have just gone above and beyond to make us feel like we're a part of this community and part of this family. And so um, the the brighter sides of what the Trojan family represents, when you experience that, the true intensity of that and what it represents, um, that part of it can be really moving, especially when uh, you're not really from here, or have a connection here until one day, you know, the guy that you work for gets the AD job and now, <laughs> now your life changes. <laughs> You mentioned the, the peristyle. I, I think we, we probably talked about this on Lunch with the Trojan. I mean, I don't remember what I had for breakfast, but I, we, I'm sure we did back then. I didn't remember I had a beard. But the uh, – so the peristyle is uscfootball.com message board. You know, you're someone that frequently reads that. I mean, that's probably somewhat rare, but maybe tell people why from your, you know, upbringing in Cincinnati that you were kind of brought up on message boards and, and, and being involved as a fan like that. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of sports teams too. Yeah. I uh, I was watching the the Browns Raiders game on the edge of my seat, pacing as the Raiders were attempting a game winning uh, field goal earlier because right. I knew if the Bengals if if the Browns lost, the Bengals were alone in in first place in the AFC North. So I know what it's like to be a fan. I cherish the fact that I still have some sports teams that it doesn't really conflict with my my work that I can truly be just a fan of and have an emotional outlet in that regard. But yeah, I mean, I grew up that way. I Frequently, Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com is a great friend of mine and uh, have, have known him since I was in seventh or eighth grade when I started working at the University of Cincinnati basketball camps for uh, a great mentor of mine and, and now a friend of Crosstown, Mick Cronin. Um, but, you know, I think fundamentally the reason why I, I like to read the Peristyle is that um, I think so often in roles like mine, you get so disconnected from your fan base. And when was the last time we showed up to a game and bought tickets on the website and went and tailgated and parked and walked through a normal entrance and scanned a ticket and found our seat and went to a concession stand or we don't do those things yeah. in our job, right? So that you have to have some way to understand what the experience is that your fans are having on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and so, you know, that element of connectivity. But again, it comes back to some of those things that we <clears throat> talked about earlier, which is they have to know that we care. They have to know that we listen. And college athletics are, are unique, as we talked about, and it's not like the pro model. You know, we rely on donations and ticket sales to fund all of our athletics operations. And so I consider uh, those people that, that support and contribute uh, part of our team and they have a voice um, and you know we're entrusted with the responsibility of leading the program but you can never lose that voice from your fans and those that get disconnected from that I think in the long term they alienate but they're also missing the critical feedback that can help inform some of the things that you do there are things that I see every day on social media or the peristyle or anywhere else and I'm like hey that's a great idea and I talk to my team a lot about being idea agnostic which means I don't really care where a great idea comes yeah. from or who gets credit for a great idea. We just want the best ideas. And if that comes from somebody who yells at me all day long on a message board, but occasionally <laughs> they have a great idea, all power to it. I think it's great. 
It's funny. So Brandon does care, and I, I think you know Mike Bowen and Brandon. That's it's been uh, it's been eye opening to see them interact with people. I mean, I had lunch with my longtime friend uh, Dan, who you might know him as Dan. He used to do our tailgate. He was the, the chef for our tailgating way back in the early two thousands when we had the RV and all that kind of stuff. And uh, he was out in the South Bay. I had lunch with him and his wife, and he was just, I mean, unsolicited, just was praising, like you know, Brandon came over and talked to me, and I was talking about things and. To, to a man, everyone I've talked to when you've had when we've had different events that you've shown up for, like the tailgates or whatever, or if someone comes up to you at the basketball game, um, all my, all I'm getting is like positive feedback from that. So props to that. But if you you know if you see Brent, I'm not I don't want you to like just track him down or whatever. Uh, I'll give you his home address later. No, I'm saying, uh, <laughs> oh, but just I mean it's worth uh, it's worth chatting. And I, I when I when you first came on, so I guess it was like two years ago. Wow. Um, we had I think we had beers or whatever in Hermosa, and I. You know, it talked about like, hey, I think this is going to be good. And it's funny that initially people were just like, eh, you know, I don't know about this. But then every time someone would meet you or interact with you, they're like, oh, I get it. I get what you're saying. So maybe it's a slow process, but it seems like you're you're winning the fans over. Well, I, I appreciate that. I think that one thing about this that has been unique in my journey is I grew up in Cincinnati. And so when I worked for that program, I'd been going to games all my life. I had been a fan. I knew all the traditions. I knew all the history. I, I came here not knowing any of that. Yeah. And so those interactions for me are, one, they're enjoyable because it's just fun. But, two, they're really informative, right? You learn a lot about the, the experience that people have as fans. You learn a lot about the history and, and the tradition. So if, if I can make an impact on people, that's a positive experience. Um, I'm all for that. I think that that's great. But at the end of the day, those people are doing more for me than I'm doing for them. And now you talk about being at basketball games. And other, I've never been as popular as I was when I was with you at a basketball game. <laughs> oh, so he got me the courtside stuff. It was great. I've never been more popular than that day. <laughs> that so. was that was great, though. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Brandon hooked me up and uh, we were down on the court and everything. And your boss did one time, too. I mean, just. For a while, like the first time I met Mike Bone, I just went to shake his hand. He was like, "Come sit down with me." He's on the court side, so yeah, they're they're very approachable, which is great, and uh, they love basketball. They're big basketball fans, and there's probably a lot of opportunities to see you know come out to the basketball games and uh, to get to see you guys. Yeah, we talk a lot about making decisions that impact winning. Well, the, one of the biggest decisions that a fan can make to impact winning is showing up, and I think our basketball program and what Andy has built. Uh, is deserving of that type of support. And so obviously we're dealing with a little bit of a challenge right now, but um, really counting on people as we get into conference play to show up and support the, our, our team. Uh, they're a great group of, of young men, and obviously they're performing at a level that makes us all proud. And so uh, our student section has been our bedrock this year, and uh, obviously nothing impacts the atmosphere in Galen quite like our student section, but really counting on, on the Trojan family and, and our fans to show up and support this team. Uh, last year was special. I would say that my favorite moment at, at USC so far, quite honestly, has been uh, that Kansas basketball game in, in Indianapolis and the NCAA tournament, not just because of the way that we won and what it represented or the historic venue that it was in, but it was just a really special experience to be a part of that. And so uh, I invite you all down to, to support this team because they're they're worthy of that support. They've earned that from from all of us. Undefeated, mm -hmm. top 10 team, pretty good. 12-0. Now, Brandon, you talked about the, the fan response. For the Lincoln Riley hire, was it what you expected? What were you expecting after making that hire? Did you even think about the fan response in that type of way? 
Yeah, I wouldn't say we really thought about it in terms of as you're going through the process and especially as it's getting down to the end on, on Sunday and, you know, you're you're hopeful that you'll be able to make a hire. I think there were uh, a few moments where it started to sink in a little bit the way that it was going to be responded to and just some of the early phone calls that we made um, once word started to spread and some people that we wanted to call and reach out to directly so that they would hear that news from us. Um, but that... It, that part of it is 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 awesome. Obviously, we haven't won any football games yet, um, but the the way that it's uh, affected people and this just contagious energy that's spreading. Um, I walked into a basketball game after we hired. I honestly can't remember which one, um, but the, the energy in the building just felt different. Um, it just felt like um, for the first time in two years, it was really sort of our program, and that was a that was a rewarding feeling. Yeah, what is the momentum like? Was it like a jolt to the system having a big hire like that? Yeah, because it impacts everything and, and everyone. I think we all know intuitively the importance of football and supporting our overall athletics program. Um, but we also know that externally, um, the reality of it is that uh, the majority of, of the attention that we receive and the eyeballs that are on our program are, are football related. And so uh, it, it elevates everything and everyone. And uh, I, I think it, as a leader, um, when you can do something that's going to have an impact, not just on that thing, but on everything that you do, those are those are the best types of decisions that you can make. Now, coming into the 2021 football season, what was the plan going in without knowing win-loss records? The plan as far as? Uh, head coach. Yeah, I mean, I think it, for, for us, it, it was the same mission from the, the day we arrived and to where it is right now is you want to give your football program everything that it needs to be successful and support your coach and your coaching staff and your student athletes to the, the maximum extent that you can. So um, I don't think that we ever really varied um, from that plan. Um, obviously, there were decisions that were made along the way as far as how we reacted to things that were going on. But fundamentally, um, from, from the moment we arrived, it was being really thoughtful and strategic about how we provide the football program the caliber of support that it needs to win championships. And I've said this before, but I think it's a really important distinction as we talk a lot about championship expectations at USC, which are derived from our historical performance. Um, but in, in the real world, like for anybody that's watching in the way that they do their jobs, the expectations they want set for them are based on the tools and the resources they have to be successful in their job. And so I don't think you can truly evaluate anyone until you give them all of those tools and all of those resources. And in fairness to whether it's a coach or somebody in our administration or in, in, any, in any world, um, if you didn't have a great studio like this, what kind of show would you be expected to produce, right? So I think in, in fairness to anyone, you want to provide every tool, every possible resource to be successful. And that was, uh, that was our objective from, from day one. Mm -hmm. We actually got a question on YouTube from Trojan Man who said, how hard was it to stick to the plan with a fan base screaming for a change? Yeah, I, I get that question a lot. And I think, um, you know, if, when you set your sights on the objective being winning, um, you, you are mindful of, of maybe what some of the sentiments are that are out there. But um, whether the Coliseum was full or empty didn't change what our priority was, which was to win football games. Yeah. And so I think you have to have um, the the courage in some ways to be really disciplined to what your plan is and to following through on your process and not 
um, being reactionary in any way. I, I, I like to say that you kind of have to have a firewall uh, around emotion in what you do yeah. um, because everybody else can be emotional. And that's the great thing about sports. It's really unlike anything else. But in your decision making, you cannot let emotion influence you in, in any way, shape or form, because that's how bad decisions uh, happen. Um, and you just got to trust your plan and your, and your process and continue to execute. Mm -hmm. Are there instances where, I mean, it's sports, right? Like we're at the whim of b bouncing balls, like all the time, like things happen. Uh, I mean, you had talked about at the Lincoln Riley press conference, if Bedlam goes another way, like you might not be there talking about it. Uh, in the beginning of the year, the, you know, USC loses to a Stanford team that didn't look very good in week one. But then beats Oregon later. If they go on some kind of run, you're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have fired Clay Hill at that time. I mean, there, there are things that just happen. You're like, oh, wow. You know, Stanford ends up being bad. They're three and eight or whatever. But, and, you know, Bedlam ends up going the the other way for Oklahoma State. But there, there are times where the ball just bounces and you're like, you know, these are major events that could be affecting every decision that we make. Yeah, and I think that's why we think about these things in terms of probability and trying to do things that are going to increase the probability over time of consistently getting to positive outcomes because there are going to be variables. There are going to be unexpected twists and, and turns that happen. Um, but I think fundamentally at the end of the day, um, you stay the course, you continue to make the decisions that you feel like are advancing your strategic objectives. And ideally, with a large enough sample size, those things balance out for you in, in a favorable way. Yeah. It's almost like maybe a poker would be a good analogy where you're just trying to make the right decisions and the cards can fall a certain way. Like if I'm drawing to an inside straight and I'm trying to hit that you know, long shot, it's probably not going to be well, but I'm going to hit it sometimes like, oh, I won the pot. But over the long term, you're just doing it. Yeah, there might be something weird that happens and you, you make a, a bad decision and that gets a good result, but you're just trying to make the best decision possible. And sometimes... You know, circumstances beyond your control, a pandemic happens and it's just not going to work out your way. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's why there's so much emphasis for us on the process Yeah, um, because outcomes can be variable and influenced by a multitude of different factors. But um, for us, it's it's really staying true and disciplined to the process. Mm -hmm. Now, Friday was the conclusion of the early signing period. So we got to uh, have Lincoln Riley's first like real press conference, he called it, because it was more beat uh, reporters. And we got to talk to him about how crazy the last three weeks have been for him. But I'm just wondering from your perspective, Brandon, how crazy has the last month been? Or maybe go even farther uh, from that since you were involved in this process for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I think back to the, the day that we went to pick Lincoln up and um, we flew out to Oklahoma City late at night for a quick turnaround. We were at the airport by 5.30, I think, the, the next morning. And Spencer Harris, our director of player personnel, joined us for that trip. And we had all these binders prepared and had a two-and-a-half-hour personnel meeting on the flight. And uh, from there, it was just uh, it was, it was a blur. That was a really invaluable time for us. Um, we were able to get a lot accomplished. But from there to press conferences and onboarding staff and getting started with recruiting – um, it was just a, it was a lot. And, and so you're trying to build all those things and do all those things at the same time. It's like I said, I think Ryan, you asked me the question, um, after the press conference, was there any relief that it, that it's over? And, yeah, yeah. you know, certainly there's relief that, that that stage of the process is over and you got to the outcome that, that you wanted, but then you start thinking about, you know, onboarding an entire new staff and going through the same things that I went through two years ago as far as how you, you know, where to go and what to do and what our systems and processes are. And um, I think that signing day element creates a different sense of pressure and urgency about it as well, that um, that's a huge priority and um, trying to get 
your your current players engage with the new coach and the new staff is a priority. It's just there's a lot to do, and unfortunately, uh, time is in limited in a lot of respects. Mm-hmm. Do you think with all the pressure, I mean, it was a really silly season, right? Like you guys rocked the college football world with the big one. Uh, LS, and you guys were, we'll talk about like the secrecy part a little bit, but like you guys were more like strategic about trying to, you know, get your guy, everything was going to be quiet. And all of a sudden, even, you know, former players, no one had any idea. We'll talk about that in a minute, but LSU was more like kind of bull in a China shop thing. They're like, we're going after Lincoln Riley. Now we're going to go get um, Brian Kelly and just, we're going to go get the biggest name possible. It was a crazy season with big time jobs switching. We haven't seen blue blood to blue blood at all. Like in the last 20, you know, not that very often, I guess, you know, and then twice in two days that happened. Um, the way that's changed and it seems like the early signing period is sort of a catalyst for part of it. There seems to be a lot of a groundswell of pressure to move it to some other time, August or get rid of it or whatever. What do you guys feel about the early signing period? Cause it does impact you know the way these decisions are made. And I, to me, I don't think it's a positive impact on the student athletes, which I know you guys are focused on making a better experience. Yeah, I think that's right. And I know that there's a lot of discussion right now happening about it and, I certainly think there are compelling points to be made for keeping it where it is, moving it to earlier, moving it later. But I think that there's definitely some of those human being impacts that we talk a lot about that um, incentivizes you to maybe make decisions on somebody earlier than you otherwise would or um, student athletes are committing to a university to to play for a coach that by December, mid-December, and I'm not talking about a head coach maybe, but even a position coach, like yeah. a lot of those things are changing. So um, I think it's something that I'm I'm glad that is being reevaluated and reconsidered and we'll, we'll see where it lands. Um, but certainly think that we f- we definitely felt the, the impact of that. And I, I think anybody that you talk to who um, was involved in any type of coaching decision um, this this year and, and really in recent memory is talking a lot about what impact that's going to have on recruiting. Now, we were um, pretty steadfast in our belief that we weren't going to make any decisions um, for one year's worth of, of recruiting, um, especially in the in the transfer portal era. Um, we certainly would never want to sacrifice our long-term interests for um, some of those short-term pressures that that exists. Fortunately, we were able to kind of accomplish what, yeah. what we wanted to on both fronts by hiring a coach the, the, the day that we we did and being able to impact recruiting by that early signing day. But it's definitely a, a conversation that's going to continue to be had um, as far as what the what the right way to do the early signing period is. Now, I know you're not a mind reader, Brandon, but in his press conference on Friday, uh, Riley was talking about how he's even more optimistic about the program now that he has boots on the grounds. What do you think he's he's talking about in particular? Yeah, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Um, uh, first, I, I think it's understanding the current players that we have here um, and their level of buy-in and commitment to him and, and his vision and what we're going to accomplish. Um, I think the response from people uh, has genuinely moved uh, Lincoln and, and Caitlin and their family and, and how appreciative the Trojan family is that Lincoln chose us. Um and that uh, th- they all have, have taken this leap of faith to, to be with us. And I think also, you know, that we've, we've talked a lot about the support and commitments that we've made over the last few years. And so um, I, will, I will admit privately that one of the d- disappointing aspects of this for me is that um, we know, those of us that are there every day, that this is not the same football program it was a few years ago in terms of everything that we're doing to support it and the quality of people that we have in the building. Um, but the reality is we were a 4-8 football team. Yeah. And that's about 
you know, a five and seven season in 2018. So the results haven't, haven't improved. Um, so I think maybe from an outside perspective, you look at it and we haven't played in a bowl game in three of the last four years. And some of the things that are going on in recruiting that haven't been uh, up to the level, maybe that, that we necessarily aspire to. Um, but I think maybe upon arriving here and getting to know the people and some of the investments that have been made and the support that we've really built around the football program, hopefully that's something that, that would be on that list as well. Mm-hmm. The, uh, I mentioned like the secretly secrecy stuff, like just things have been very quiet. Uh, when Clay Helton was uh, let go, you guys tweeted it out. Pretty rare. Like usually it's like, oh, there's a, someone's going to get out, gets out there on social media. And I'd say on this show, and you'd be critical of me sometimes, which you totally can. Like, it's going to be a lot harder to hire someone and be quiet because you have to talk to a lot of people. And it sounded like, you know, it was a, a Mike Bowen, Brandon Sosna thing, and he gave you credit for being the architect of the search. But from what you guys were talking at the press conference, it sounded like there was a lot of conversations being had with people that were kind of involved. Um, how hard was it and how important was it to keep things Secret, because I think you had mentioned if if it got out that you guys were talking to Lincoln Riley, it probably wouldn't have happened. But how important was that and how hard was it to accomplish that? Yeah, I mean, I think a few things in response to that question. First, you talked about um, the, the change in leadership. And the most important thing for us in that was that our student athletes would hear from us first. And that's just a luxury that you never really seem to have anymore with the way that college football is covered. Um, but to be able to get in that room uh, and and hear from us directly and, and hear from the coaching staff directly was, was really important. Um, I also think broadly it's a reflection on Mike and his leadership that he's earned the, the trust and respect from um, Dr. Fold and Chairman Caruso and the many, many leaders that we have in the, in the university leadership and the board of trustees that um, he was empowered to lead this search uh, and to bring forward a, a recommendation as far as um, who we should hire. And that confidence in in us was really key to being able to maintain confidentiality because we were able to really without a lot of interference um, run our process um, and yeah confidentiality was a was a huge part of it obviously this is again something that came together at, at the very end um, so it really didn't interest us to be talking in the community about who we were really interested in um, so a lot of it we were protected by just the the natural unfolding of the process um, but there was a lot of education for those who were involved that um, even like you saw maybe with some other schools that even the presence of rumors that have to be addressed can have an impact, right? Yeah. Not a lot of coaches want to stand up there and have to answer questions about another job. And then when they say declaratively one way or another, they never really want to go back on that word. So you hope that you don't put uh, your candidates in that position where they have to address the job. Now, I think just by virtue of, of the, the confidentiality in the process. I think a number of coaches ended up having to address questions about USC, which is unfortunate. It's never our intention that anybody right. would have to do that. Um, it's not really fair t- to them, to their athletes, uh, which is another part of the reason why we like to keep this confidential because we've been on all sides of this. You know, Sometimes you're on the other side where you're being you're- recruited or you're being rumored and you don't like to have to address those things either. So to me, it's just about a level of professionalism and, and respect that that goes into it well as well but certainly there are the strategic benefits that are that are top of mind you mentioned rick caruso right and i gotta ask in the introductory presser you you got a job offer by caruso <laughs> one were you expecting that and two what do you think you did to make such an impression on him 
Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't really know that it's that it's about me or, or anything that I did. I think we're we're a great team and we're really well supported. Um, for me personally, one of the great joys of this process was that I had an opportunity to get to know Chairman Caruso better uh, and spend time with him and learn more about him and his family and uh, the incredible uh, leader that he is and the impact that he's made on uh, this university and, and our community and the city of Los Angeles. So for me, you know, selfishly, not that it's about me at all, but having that time with, with Chairman Caruso, uh, I feel very fortunate um, to, to have spent time with him and um, got to know him and uh, consider him now a friend. Mm-hmm. So the three of us, th- oh, dude. Go for it, Ryan. The three of us in this room have some stuff in common as far as this thing, this USC football program. We spend our lives on the parish. Kind of determines a lot of like, I mean, our livelihood, the way we do things. Uh, maybe what your chair does has more to do with our livelihood than the team itself, but it's all part of it. Um, you know, for the last seven years or, or whatever, like, you know, Keely and I, if we feel like we're creating great content and putting a lot of stuff out there, you mentioned fan apathy is something you want to avoid. Uh, you know, if the team isn't doing well, if they don't feel like the administration is putting their all into it and they want to win as badly as they do fans tune out, you know, and, and for you, you know, you're trying, you mentioned you got to get donations. you got that. It's the lifeblood of your athletic program. Uh, winning four games doesn't help, but like making a hire like Lincoln Riley does, how much has the tone changed as far as from negativity to positivity? I mean, it's been, it's been huge for us. You know, we are getting record numbers on all of our shows where subscriptions, everything, there's more fans that are coming back and involved and I don't know if you're seeing the same thing on your end with donations and ticket sales and all that. I, I assume it's the same, but we've seen it's been absolutely crazy for us. So, I mean, positive, it's a good way. and We're happy for the fans, but I, I assume it's the same way for you. Yeah, the response has been enormous. If the sentiment, maybe if it's not been a 180 degree difference, maybe it's 179 <laughs> degrees, but uh, it's, it's, it's pretty much it changed overnight, which is great. It's great for the university. It's great for the community. It's great for everybody who's connected uh, to our program that has a role in in creating what Mike would call an intensity of interest around our program. And, um, you know, I have a deep appreciation for websites like yours and others that that cover our program because you tell the stories of our athletes. You're there every single day covering uh, what what others might think of as minutiae in the program, but for you that is content that you have thousands of people that are refreshing their screens all day long <laughs> to consume this content. And all of that is part of creating an intensity of interest that supports a program. Um, and so, you know, for us, it's a great luxury to have um, so many outlets that cover this program. And obviously that can be difficult at times. And there's a level of scrutiny uh, that comes with that, that you just have to embrace. Um, but that intensity of interest is everything. And it, everybody's a part of that. Yeah. I think there was a lot of questions coming in about uh, the Cal game playing that game, and you know it was a it was a could have been a forfeited game. I know Lincoln Riley talked about how uh, it was invaluable as far as that week of practice, uh, understanding the roster that he had. What did it do for the team in your perspective and, and the coaching staff coming in? Yeah, well, well, first I, I do just want to say that was a really difficult week. Obviously, um, announcing a, a, a new coach and Lincoln had brought some individuals with him. And um, for me, I just really would would take a minute to salute Dante um, for his leadership during that time. Uh, I think it's pretty well known that that Dante and I have an extremely close personal friendship. um, And I think the world of him and he's going to be a great head coach someday. And I think that 
experience in the interim capacity was was great for him and watching him grow from day one to the end of the season um, was really exciting for me to watch um, but that entire week I thought we showed the best of who we were um, from Dante's leadership with the team but Graham and Todd and Sean and and Coach Jinx and Kerry and Daigie and Clay McGuire and Vic and Craig um, everybody really contributed and the level of professionalism was unlike anything I've ever seen. Um, Coach Steiner and his staff, just in really, really difficult circumstances. Um, and then the leadership within the locker room. Um, it was a really tough week on, on players as well. And there were yeah. a number of our guys who um, really stepped up and demonstrated the leadership that I think represents what the, the Trojan family is all about. And, um, you know, we have a, a, an incredible legacy that every player that walks through those doors, you know, you go into our team meeting room and on the wall, there's a list of every football player that's ever been drafted out of this university. And it's obviously a very, very impressive list. And when I see that, what I think about is every day I have a responsibility to uphold what they've built and to sacrifice as much as they sacrificed to get us to this point. And so I, I credit the players on our team that that embrace that and recognize that um, because it was it was a hard week. Um, things happen really quickly and you can't always communicate in the way that you want to. Certainly I look back on it and there are things that I wish we could have done differently because um, these are really difficult things that affect the lives of a lot of people. It's coaches, it's their families, it's their friends, it's their children. Um, and so I, I just give a lot of credit to, to Dante um, for his leadership and, and the rest of the staff. But uh, it certainly wasn't lost on us in the process that um, playing that game against Cal would give a new staff in the event we were able to hire a coach on that Saturday, Sunday, Monday, a week to be around the team to evaluate, um, but also to get on the, the road and get some recruiting done as well. So uh, I remember the first time Lincoln called me, he was like, hey, I, I didn't even realize that we had a game on Saturday. Like, can I be at practice? Can I observe? I was like, yeah, that was a big part of why why we structured this the way that we did. So um, I think it was really great for him, but also some of the other coaches that were that were able to be present at, at practice. It, that was an interesting, I mean, that was an interesting week, obviously, when that was happening. And Lincoln Riley, really impressive press conference he had on Friday. Um, the really first time, you know, the first one was Pomp and Circumstance and Recruso and Carol Fulton and stuff. But this was just like local media. Uh, some TV, and uh, you know that was one of the things he mentioned. How I mean, there's going to be roster turnover. He needs to build a championship roster, but that week allowed him to kind of take a look at uh, you know what he had on this team. And um, I, unfortunately for some of the players, it, yeah, it was it was a it was difficult, and maybe they weren't all going to put out their their best foot because they were they were struggling with things at the time too. So. Do you feel like that kind of maybe hurt some of the players just because, you know, or is it understandable? Like, look, they were going through a really tough time um, and they weren't, there was so much uncertainty going on that, that maybe that wasn't the, the the typical player that you would see on a, a week by week basis. Yeah. I mean, it credits our players. It wasn't just uncertainty that week. It was uncertainty <laughs> all season long. Yeah. I mean, it was obviously very early on in the year that um, there was a leadership change within the football program and, um, they competed. Obviously, the results were not what they wanted or what we wanted, but uh, they competed. And, and even that last week, you know, the, the BYU game, the Cal game, I thought we competed as hard in those two games as we did all season long. Um, and, you know, again, the results not being what we want them to be. I hope that people could still be proud of the effort in, in the face of really difficult circumstances. Yeah, that was, I do remember that because I didn't think USC would cover either one of those games. They didn't cover Cal, but that was, I mean, kind of understandable the number of guys that were out. But 
both games, I thought they played as hard as any other ones, which was like, wow, this is uh, there's a lot of adversity going on, and they actually did. They played both those games tough. I mean, almost beat BYU. So we got a question on YouTube that said, uh, "What are the expectations for the team in Lincoln Riley's first season? How do expectations rise year by year?" Yeah, I don't know that we we define it in in those terms. Um, it's still December, um, so we're focused right now on recruiting and and building a roster and evaluating what we have and and building a staff i think there's a time and place for those conversations um as far as what the expectations are or and will be um but you know i think i think lincoln has addressed pretty clearly that uh he thinks that we can really build a special team and a special roster a special program and compete for championships and um that's that's the goal that's why we wake up every day mm -hmm. we a word that kept being mentioned by Lincoln Riley and has been in the past couple press conferences is facilities, and we've gotten a lot of questions about it. What can yes. you speak to about uh, the facilities that Lincoln keeps re referring to? Yeah, I mean, I think to me that's more of a reflection of the fact that um, we're going to look at every aspect of the program and want to be on a championship level. Um, I don't know that I have anything specific to comment on with respect to facilities. Um, we know how much the world has changed in, in 10 years uh, in, in college football especially with regard to facilities. I mean, that's another um, aspect of a program like support staff and recruiting operations and personnel that has really evolved. Um, the graphic design and, and video elements that are such a fundamental part of how you promote the program and how you recruit. Um, all of those things have evolved and we want to be the best in, in, in every single thing that we do. So to me, that's just another dimension of it that, that we want to evaluate and, and be the best that we can be. We got a question uh, from Alan on Facebook who wanted to know, what are your uh, hopes and expectations for the Pac-12 for your conference games, new media deals, future expansion, et cetera? Yeah, I think it's an exciting time for our conference. Um, George George has been phenomenal. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Uh, we got to spend some time with him uh, on his campus visit. And if you follow him on social media, you see that he's very active and being at games, supporting the schools in the league. He's been very vocal and influential on key issues that are facing college athletics. And I think that's the type of leadership that the current circumstances in college athletics demand. And so we've been really excited to partner with him. Uh, he's been very engaging with us. Um, and there's certainly well-documented opportunities for us with respect to our upcoming meteorites deal. Um, with respect to you know potential expansion of the college football playoff um, and and a number of other things that the, the conference is working on, so um, I, I think there was a big part of this that was talking about our growth potential as as a program. Not just here are the resources that we've invested, but here's what the future looks like. Yeah, um, and uh, those are those are big components of it for sure. I thought there was a lot of parallels between George Klyovkov, the new Pac-12 commissioner, and and Mike Bowen and what you guys have done, where maybe previous leaders from those roles were kind of ivory tower people they weren't really involved they weren't really they didn't really know what's going on they didn't know how much a gallon of milk would cost if you were saying something like that they were they weren't out with the people they've never got their tickets scanned and things like that and george glavkov seems to be really involved in that just going on these campus tours i went to the pac-12 championship game in vegas and he had mentioned you know unsolicited about usc hiring lincoln riley the uptick in recruiting like Larry Scott would have never done something like that. But how important is that? It seems like that's something that you and Mike Bone have embraced. But it seems like George Klafkoff is, is too. I mean, how important is that for a conference commissioner? Yeah, I give him a lot of credit. Uh, there's, there's a lot of expertise that he brings to this role um, based on a lifetime of really interesting and um, – kind of uh, key leadership roles that that he's held uh, but certainly there's the 
actual on-campus experience that we all have every day that maybe was a part of the job that he wasn't as familiar with. And yeah. so rather than um, try to f create the impression that he kind of already understood it or knew it, he went around and visited every single school and he met with the, the leadership. They did a kind of a level down meeting where they met with, you know, at each school he met with just general staff members who are there on the ground level every single day supporting the student athletes. I thought that was a really cool thing that he did. I think that that's something that's really taxing on somebody to travel around oh, yeah. with everything else that he had going on. I mean, at the time that he shows up, conference realignment kicks into gear and things are changing rapidly and he still made time to go visit all the schools and be present on our campuses and get to know the people. And uh, it would have been very easy for him to say, you know what, there's a lot going on. I'm going to call this off. But he got it all done, and he was everywhere. He was at some of our games this season. Uh, I've seen him multiple times. Uh, really impressed with his level of dedication and commitment to really understanding what the challenges are that we face on our campuses because that's a part of the job that uh, until you're in it, until you really live what we live every single day, it's hard to really comprehend. Now I'm breaking this up with an off-topic question. Uh, Jackson on YouTube wanted to know, do you still miss Skyline Chili? I do. My, my funny story with Skyline Chili is that I actually never ate it growing up. Um, I would go to every Cincinnati Reds opening day with another family, and we would always stop at Skyline before first pitch. And I would never eat it because I didn't think it was any good. I just it, it did not look or seem appealing to me. I, was oh. not, I did not eat chili. I don't eat hot dogs to this day. And it wasn't until I interned for Mike in the, the University of Cincinnati one summer in the athletic department that – he, uh, my first week as an intern, he said, hey, we're going to Skyline. And I was like, great. Uh, I really don't want to go here, but I'm not about to tell my new boss when I'm a college student intern that we're going to go somewhere else. So yeah. I get in the car, we roll down to Skyline, and I ordered like a buffalo chicken wrap, just something generic that I could get off the menu. And he was like, no, what are you doing? You're getting a, you need to get a five way and a this and a that. And I was like, oh man, like this is going to be bad. And so he, he made me get it. And for the first 21 years of my life, I had never experienced Skyline chili. And I had it that day. And it was one of the greatest things I've ever had. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> now I cannot get enough Skyline. Wow. I, uh, if, if I get back to Cincinnati, it, uh, it, will not, it will not be a trip that's free of Skyline because okay. I will make sure to get there. It's, uh, I, I, I wouldn't say I actively miss it per se, um, but if I'm back there, I'm going to get some Skyline. Would it be like a bowl of chili or yeah, is it on a hot order? dog usually? Or I'm, I'm a three-way guy. Okay, so, uh, well, back in the day, while I could still eat dairy, I should say I was a three-way guy. <laughs> oh. the, what does the that inability mean for to, the non-Skyline? Yeah, so that's a base of spaghetti with chili and cheese. Oh, okay. But wow. now, because I can't eat the cheese, I do a chilito, which is a burrito <laughs> that's got um, chili and spaghetti in it, and I put some of their like little special crackers in there, oh. and uh, it's the Brandon special. special. I, I can eat like 10 of those. Wow. Nice. Look at that. So, People... Kelly, you could do the cheese, not the crackers. <laughs> no, no. So yeah. I can't do the Brandon special, apparently. Oh. Missing uh, out. Yeah, I know. Uh, Brandon, people also wanted to know, where did you get your sweatshirt? People are really loving the sweatshirt. Oh, yeah. Uh, cool. Got to credit our, our equipment room on that one. I actually um, – I don't really know what I did with it. And then I saw Dante wear it either to a press conference or at a game or something. I was like, hey, that's that's pretty cool. I need to find where I have that. So my closet, you know, I, I left Cincinnati with like two bags. And so uh, my closet is pretty much – cardinal gray black white and so you know it's all nike usc gear i wear the same five things i think 
uh, every day of the week. So this uh, this was in the weekend or the off period of time special, I guess. Yeah, you're. But, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't know. I there may be a way to get it. I will look into that and report back. Nice. Okay. That's on the P. I have. There was somebody who reached out to me uh, on the Peristyle who uh, wanted a hat. Uh, that uh, we that did not U- sell. That USC hat, people ask about it all the time. Yeah, yeah so we're working on getting that uh, in the bookstore. I think some supply chain issues have slowed it down, but the plan is first quarter uh, 2022 that we'll have that in the bookstore. Look so, at that. Yeah, so I asked you like the press conference, sort of like sense of relief. You're, are you 30 yet? Are you almost? There? Don't rush it. Okay, <laughs> The gray hairs may, may make no, you no, think no, otherwise. I mean, young, you know, you're a young person for the role that you're in, like uh, as far as the athletic department stuff goes. I mean, you're going to get offers like Rick Rizzo gave you an offer and stuff. Like what's the, like kind of the five-year plan or whatever for, for Brandon? Yeah. I mean, I never expected that I would get to be in a critical role for the sports team. I grew up loving as a Cincinnati Bearcats fan. It's still to this day is incomprehensible to me that I had a part in hiring Luke Fickle there and seeing the success that he's had. And, uh, so happy for my city and that program to be in a college football playoff. Yeah. Just would have never imagined that that would ever be possible for the University of Cincinnati. And so to see it happen um, has been really moving and meaningful f- for me um, and very excited to, to go cheer them on uh, in Dallas against Alabama. But, um, you know, I never thought I would be at the Cleveland Browns uh, working in the front office and getting to work for some amazing people like John Dorsey and Sashi Brown and Andrew Barry and Chris Cooper and Paul DePodesta. Like I never fathomed that that would be where my career would take me. And certainly when I went back to the University of Cincinnati, I didn't think 10 months later I'd be sitting in Mike's office and he'd get a call about the USC athletic director position. So uh, I stopped playing that game um, <laughs> trying to guess where I'm going to be five years from now. Um, but this is obviously an extremely exciting time to be here and to be a part of what we're building. Uh, And there's a job that uh, we started two years ago that we have to see through. Is two years the longest you've been at a place professionally? You don't need to embarrass me on a live show. (laughs) I'm I'm just wondering. There's going to be some. He's that young. He's been a lot. There's going to be some poster on the peristyle that's going to slap me down for being a typical millennial. But uh, (laughs) yes, this is uh, two years is the the longest that I've made it in a role so far. The the curious thing is obviously – it was a, you know, the two years you were doing a lot of work. There's a lot of behind the scenes work. People are very critical outwardly. And all of a sudden now it turns to praise, which is great. But sometimes it's like that challenge. Does that drive you? Or it's like no one's believing it. Like no one's believing what's going on. Now it's like, okay, if Lincoln Riley wins a championship or something, it's like, okay, everyone just expected that. Like, is it going to be as satisfying as it was to like, here's the big reveal. Lincoln Riley's head coach, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I pay attention to that stuff more than I probably should in terms of how, <laughs> how it motivates me. Um, not proud of it, but oh, that's, uh, a, that's human nature. Yeah, right? I mean, it, it, it does. Like, again, being a professional and a competitor, uh, the reason I even went to Penn to begin with is because my brother told me he didn't think I could get into an Ivy League school. So um, I, I haven't, maybe my, my decision making skills have improved since, since then. Um, but it's, it, it's not about me, it's about this university and this program. And, uh, you dedicate your life to something. I mean, this has been my life for a few years. I mean, the last two years have been extremely hard. Um, and so, uh, to me, it's just, I want to be on that podium someday. That's, that's why I'm in it. That's why I do what I do. Uh, that's why I love sports and, uh, I don't care what the circumstances are. Right. Um, I hope that, uh, you know, we can get there and I'm going to do my part to, to, to try to make that happen the best that I can. And, um, 
not about me, but, you know, I credit Mike a lot for his leadership. Um, you know, I, I, I have always been kind of more to the side and behind the scenes uh, in the work that I do. Um, but it's hard to watch somebody that you really care about who's given you every opportunity in your life get treated the way that he was treated by a lot of different people. So if there's anybody I'm excited for and happy for who's deserving of it, it, it it's Mike. Nice. In that sense, we got a lot of questions. Did you see the apology threads that were started on the parasail to both you and Mike? I did see the apology threads. We had a few laughs at that and uh, moved on to whatever the, the pressing thing was that, that sure. was confronting us at that moment. But uh, we certainly have uh, have felt the apologies for sure. Uh, we got a question from Randy on YouTube who said, uh, with fan interest higher than it's been for a long while, uh, what will the media access to the football program look like going forward? Yeah, the not a conversation that we've had um you know being media friendly is a cornerstone of of how usc has been um and uh, we take a lot of pride in that and um tim in, in his retirement after 43 years i mean he he set the standard of what that's supposed to look like so um not, not conversations that that we've had i mean again we're very very focused on what we need to accomplish today um but uh, I'm sure there'll be a time and place for that. But being media friendly um, and just the way that we approach it uh, in terms of the relationships and the accessibility, those things, those things aren't going to change. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mike said that. To, if you guys missed it, like yeah. you know, he talked about that during the press conference about he, that they're still dedicated to doing that. So it's just the fact that you know, Brandon's here kind of shows you. Yeah. Pretty much. The media friendliness. Now, over the two years, Brandon, this is such a cheesy question. But I'm going <laughs> to ask it anyway. Biggest learning lesson the last two years? Biggest learning lesson the last two years. Um, wow, that's a. I, I'm not sure that I have a great answer for. I don't think I have something like super profound. Oh, did I to be able you? to say that that I've learned in in particular? Um, I think it's just been uh, a great reinforcement and reminder that you win with people, um, and we try to make things complicated, but you get great people who are committed to the same things, who are selflessly committed to achieving the goals that you have set out for you. And that's when things happen. And um, we've been able to get a lot of the right people in place to be able to, to create some of the things that we've created. So um, I always say that, uh, you know, so often in life we chase jobs or titles or places we want to work or things that we want to do. But in reality, what we should do is we should chase people because yeah. it's people who are going to invest in our development. It's people who are going to be committed to our success. It's people who, when that opportunity presents itself, they're going to stand on the table and advocate for us. And that's been kind of the enduring lesson of, of my career so far. Um, but, but I think this entirety of the last two years has just been a great reminder that you are, you are the, the people that you are. I mean, that is it at the end of the day. As you mentioned at the top of the show, I think there's a misconception that your job is basically football and ba men's basketball, and that's kind of it. What else about your job do you want USC fans to know about or, or an aspect that you have your hands in? Yeah, so my my role, I would say, is, is multidimensional. Uh, as Mike's chief of staff, I help him sort of run day-to-day -day of the ap athletics department broadly overall. Um, I also oversee all of our external team, which is um, you know, marketing and ticket sales and social media and video and graphic design and communications and sponsorships. Um, 
And then obviously I have my role su supervising the football team as, as the administrator. Um, so, so definitely have, you know, I do a lot of liaising as well to different partners on campus. We believe in a very integrated model with our athletics program. Um, and so being available and being a great partner to various units on campus from the president's office to um, our office of general counsel to office of government relations, we've spent a lot of time with through pandemic lobbying and name image likeness and all the things that are happening at the state and federal levels that impact college athletics. So, um, you know, those are sort of like the, the kind of the key pillars of, of my role. Um, but, you know, Mike also bestowed upon me the great fortune of being our COVID-19 action chair uh, for, oh, the, for the last uh, <laughs> two year and a half or, or whatever it's been. So, I mean, thinking back to that period of time, we're literally there was a meeting that we called and it had 20 people on it. And we came up with a list of like 30 things that we needed to create from scratch, right? From, all right, if an athlete's going to return to campus after, after the kind of COVID shutdown, like what do they need to do, right? What are the, the steps that they need to clear to? How do they check into the building every single day? And I mean, on and on and on, where does the signage go? And so obviously we had an amazing team uh, supporting us who poured their life into it. Um, but that that was uh, uh, definitely a unique part of, of the role, um, becoming an amateur epidemiologist. Our, our general counsel's office also told me that I, I have like a, I'm on my, on my way to my JD, so oh, I'll, nice. I'll take it. You can go I just school. asked if I could get it. Would it be accredited by USC? Because that would be pretty nice. You go to school, you know, go to law school at USC for free, I think. So you go, you know. I got a lot of time. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, uh, one of the interesting stories that came out of that press conference, the initial one that was like just so well done, um, you know, at the 1923 club and the, you know, Hollywood sign in the background, all that kind of stuff, was that you did make a call to Lincoln Riley, but years before. Uh, and, and the funny part was like, yeah, he didn't return our call. Uh, I think it was right before he ended up getting the Oklahoma job. Right. So, um, kind of satisfying that he, he returned the call this time or. <laughs> yeah. Keely asked me that. I think the day of the press conference, I did, I that was my follow-up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't really prepared for that question. Cause I hadn't really thought about it at all. The, the fact that, you know, that didn't come together at Cincinnati was not a surprise. It was very early on in our processes. We were trying to figure out maybe who, who was interested. Um, cause you know, your process at Cincinnati is a little bit different than your process at USC in terms of what types of candidates you're after and kind of what your positioning is relative to the candidate marketplace. And, uh, you know, he was a couple months away, I think, from being the new head coach at, at Oklahoma at the time. So it made all the sense in the world why he, why he didn't pick up that call. But, um, you know, we we discovered, I, you know, I shouldn't say we discovered him, but he he became known to us when he was the offensive coordinator at East Carolina because there was a game we played against them in 2014 that I think we beat them at Cincinnati. We, uh, like, 52 to 44 or something wild. And... Uh, it was You're like, like, oh, they could score. That, that offense is, is really, really good. What is going on there? And um, that's that's kind of how we learned about him and have, have followed him ever since. We're, uh, we're not talking about like, oh, did you could have hired this guy, blah, like that kind of stuff. There was obviously, you mentioned Luke Fickle before because you guys had hired him there. Uh, his name has come up for a lot of jobs, not just the USC one. Are you kind of surprised he's still head coach at Cincinnati or do you think he's going to stick there a long time? What are, you, what are your thoughts on his kind of future there since you were involved in that hiring. Well, as a fan, I'm really happy that yeah. he's the head coach at Cincinnati. <laughs> I mean, uh, I love that, but it wouldn't really be appropriate for me to speculate on, okay. on kind of where he is or, or where he's at. But uh, I have a, an enormous amount of respect for him and, and what he's accomplished. And, um, 
just grateful that as a, as when I put my fan hat on that uh, he's the man in charge of the of the program that I love. Can you do that? Like, is that easy for you? Because I mean, I I started this website. You know, I was a big USC fan, but then it becomes your job, and now it's like now it's a different it's a different thing. Um, I grew up like a Steelers fan. I don't know. I don't even fi- really? find myself. A, yeah, because I grew up in the Pittsburgh. <laughs> can, can we do, can we fit in the camera if we spread apart? <laughs> I still no. like I still like my Steelers, but I feel like I'm less of a fan of sports now because it's your job. Like, can you still and maybe you know because you're younger and so you can do it, but you can still be like a, a passionate Cincinnati fan. It's not the same, and yeah. honestly, that's like a grave disappointment to me because it's, being a fan was so fundamental to my identity i mean i structured my life around yes. going to games my senior year of high school or my junior year of high school the reds made the playoffs really the first time in my life i think i went to 61 out of 81 home games that year wow and so oh like it, it 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 has always been just a core part of who i am and i haven't been able to recapture it and honestly being a bengal's fan that went to work for the browns was like an identity crisis that's really oh, hard to sure, conceptualize yeah. um and i don't know that i'll ever be able to get back to sort of that raging level of passion where i'm throwing temper tantrums when we lose right <laughs> um so i i would be lying if i didn't say that that is probably the most heartbreaking part of working in sports is that that magic that you feel as a fan sort of escapes you and yeah, i, I yeah. miss that i mean i truly do yeah it's tough and sorry probably people can't relate to that but I just wanted to say, because it's just something we have to deal with when you work in sports. It's like you can't be as passionate as you were. But in that same vein, uh, Alan on on Facebook wanted to know, who will Brandon support next year when Cincinnati and USC meet in the national championship (laughs) game? Fight on, man. (laughs) I'm I'm insulted by the question. (laughs) Uh, We also, speaking of your fandom, had a question if Pete Rose should make it to the Hall of Fame. I don't know if I should be taking such controversial stances. <laughs> I don't know. You're you're a bona fide Reds fan, so I was just curious. You know, I think his uh, production on the field as a player certainly warrants being in the Hall of Fame. I think it's up to others to decide how the rest of it should be contemplated. Yeah, I guess the good thing for you is you working for USC. That passion could be there for the school that you work for, right? You can be if you're in your box or whatever. Like, damn, you did get that first down. Like, I guess that's still a part of it, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Just depends who's around and who's watching. Okay. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, we talked about it a little bit, but I know, and I know you can't go into specifics. But how was it like for you and Mike, kind of balancing the coaching search with a football season going on and everything else that you guys have to do as far as the athletic department? It was really unconventional. I mean, to do something in two and a half months that you normally have seven to ten days to do, um, it was it was definitely unique. Um, I do think it afforded us an opportunity to run a really thorough, comprehensive, detailed process. And I think all of those things contribute to getting to the outcome that you want because you're able to execute your process in the in the best way that you possibly can. And you don't have to um, concede on anything that you feel like is really important in your process. So um, I think that that was a, a benefit at, at the end of the day. Um, I don't know that you know, you make a decision on the basis of that in individually or independently. Um, but it was, uh, it was definitely, it was definitely different. Um, but you know, you've got the things that are fundamental to your job that you have to do every single day, regardless of who yeah. the coach is. And so those things continued. Um, and at the same time, we were able to really do some of the things that we felt were really important as far as how we positioned ourselves uh, to sort of the college football influencer marketplace. Mm-hmm. In that sense, what was the biggest challenge of the whole process? Um, I guess what I would say is just just staying disciplined to the process. Um, because, you know, there's 
conversation about it every single day and you're getting questions and it, it would be very easy to just be consumed with just the notion of being in a process, just thinking about it and living every single detail of it. Uh, when in reality, there were just some days where there wasn't anything to do in the process, right? It's yeah. just, you had two and a half months. So I think just allocating the appropriate amount of time and resource to the process while not um, giving up anything that you need to do every single day was probably the biggest challenge. That makes sense. Well, we're at the, the, past the top mark. of the hour. We don't want to keep them too long. Yeah, can I, I get some rapid fire questions yeah, yeah, get, in? Yeah, go, go for it. it. So we got some questions about uh, adding additional sports to USC's program. Is that something that you foresee in the future? Not something that we've actively discussed now. That's how I'm supposed to do rapid fire you questions. Can. Right? I'm just so not used to it. Yeah. You're sitting in that seat, so you need to go for like 20 more no, minutes. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's funny. I remember asking like Pat Hayden about it. Um, a long time ago, like women's softball comes up a lot and it was just like, you know, there's, there's a lot of monetary issues that, that deal with something like that. I mean, is that, is that stuff you can explore though? Like at some point? Yeah, those are really complex issues, right? I mean, you're talking facilities and operational impacts and certainly, um, scholarship allocation and title nine, uh, resources, budget, right? So, um, especially if you're talking about a sport that really can't sustain itself from a revenue standpoint, um, those are those are things that can sometimes take years to study as far yeah. as how that would work. Um, but uh, like I said, not anything that, that we've discussed to this point. I know you've already done this a little bit, but Brennan wanted to know, what is the plan, if any, on integrating Reggie Bush back into USC? Well, you know, I think that... Uh, it was that first day in, in June that his dissociation ended that, that we brought him back and uh, um, we love Reggie and we want Reggie to be as involved in the program as, as Reggie wants to be. And uh, it's still, it's amazing to me that there are, there are recruits that talk about Reggie who were barely alive to, to see him play and still the impact that he he's made on them. So uh, we love Reggie and um, uh, very excited that, uh, that we were able to, Bring him part, bring him back to being part of this family again. Yeah. Uh, he he deserved that, um, and also really fun to watch him. You know, with Matt representing USC every Saturday on on Big Noon Kickoff. I get a lot of questions on like radio shows, and you're like, yeah, about recruiting. Like, you know, people don't remember remember Reggie Bush, and I'm like, I mean, we still talk to recruits to this day that talk about him, and they want to wear number five in high school, and it's. I don't know how. Like they weren't born or they were a couple years old and YouTube YouTube is like a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they still follow them. And speaking of recruiting, we got a lot of questions uh, about what do you think the Lincoln Riley hire will do for recruiting, not just for USC, for just for the state of California and the talent that's within it. Certainly we know the incredible talent that comes out of the state of California and um, we want to be able to retain as much of that talent as we possibly can. And uh, I think Lincoln talked in great depth about that on Friday as far as how he envisions being able to do that. Um, I think the response has certainly been indicative of uh, a community that uh, is ready to do that. Um, I thought he said it really well, which was something to the effect that um, a lot of these kids growing up in Southern California are looking for a reason to come to USC. Yeah. And uh, Lincoln certainly a great reason to come to USC, <laughs> and I, there are a lot more reasons beyond that. But that that does, that that certainly helps. And it's mm -hmm. funny you don't even need that big of a reason. That's a huge reason to stay. Um, and so yeah, I think you're going to see a lot more of these kids uh, stay at home. Just you know, similar to what Pete Carroll did when he uh, got hired on. He made it cool to stay in California. I think Lincoln Riley can make it cool to stay home, and I think it helps the other Pac-12 programs too because there'll be more kids that are willing to stay. 
in the Pac-12 footprint as opposed to going somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think in 2021 with that class, we had nine of the top 20 um, recruits from the state of California that, that, that elected to, to stay home and, and come to USC. And so I think that was the start of hopefully what will be a great trend. I think that was the most since 2004 um, last year. So all, all, all positive for us. Now you answered the controversial question about Pete Rose. I have another one for you. Oh, alternate uniforms. What are your thoughts on that for uh, USC's yeah. football team? Saw that pop up. Yeah, uh, not something that we've discussed either. I, I understand the the history and the tradition. Um, you know, I, I I by nature tend to be more entrepreneurial and innovative in the way that I look at things. But uh, whether it's the FCS uh, opponents or anything else, I mean. Um, we're going to be respectful of, of history and tradition and, um, you know, certainly some of those things will come up and maybe there are creative ways, ways to look at it. But, um, I, I don't know that I'm ready to declare anything on that. And I don't think that that's something that uh, is my decision anyway, but, um, I understand that that can be a, a, an interesting topic for people. And, um, you know, I think there are merits to both sides of the argument. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the uh, FCS thing. And I think, that was one we brought with Mike, right? Mike, uh, uh, he came on our podcast, on yes. television, or the podcast, and he said that they weren't going to play. You guys weren't going to play UC Davis, and they're playing San Jose State this year. Um, you got your grand slam out of the way, like obviously the Lincoln Riley thing. This was the, the this is what fans wanted. They wanted a big coaching hire, but before that, you were setting the foundation. You know, trying to fix a lot of things in the athletic department. We the analogy was it was hitting a lot of singles and stuff. Did you have a favorite single along the way that? Uh, maybe it was got a lot of fanfare. People love the the FCS thing, but is there some one of those, you know, smaller wins uh, for the athletic department that you kind of like? Do you like us quantifying it by singles for all <laughs> um, the work you do? Uh, maybe you hate that too. <laughs> I'm very familiar with the metaphor. Um, <laughs> don't have a particular single, and wouldn't know exactly what your definition of it is either in terms of some of the things that we've done. But I think broadly speaking. Um, we're very proud of a lot of things that have happened in the last two years. And, uh, and again, that's a reflection on Dr. Fultz's support and Mike's leadership and um, the commitment that's been made by so many people that are anonymous to the peristyle and to fans and to people on social media who are there every single day working in support of our student athletes in very, very critical areas that, that – uh, um, make the student athlete experience possible, and so I'm I'm happy for us as a collective that we've been able to enjoy some of those what you would call singles and doubles. Um, in, yeah, in there's doubles. I, there are doubles too. I got a good workout. Yeah. <laughs> triples seem to triples yeah. seem to be a little bit neglected in this uh, scenario. Yeah, they're rare. Triples are rare. That's true. In that sense, Brandon, what should USC fans expect going forward? It seems like there's a lot of momentum in the program uh, with football, men's basketball, women's basketball with Lindsey Gottlieb. What should they expect going forward? Yeah, to me, what that is, is we want to be the best at every single thing that we do. And uh, Lindsey is is phenomenal. You know, I, I would love to see more support for our women's basketball team as she's building the program that she's going to build. Obviously, we talked about Andy and the work that he's done in, in men's basketball and um, what, what we know Lincoln is going to do in football and the way that we're going to support that and the way that the community is going to rally around that. But really up and down the athletics program, um, you know, we, we have the capacity to compete for national championships in everything that we do. And uh, that's, uh, that's something that's important to all of us. We, we talk about our vision to be the most student-athlete-centered program in the country, and that means a lot of things. Um, and we take pride in our pursuit of that mission. Um, but winning is a part of that, and so we, we want to win in everything that we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fat Bank brings up a good point. Ryan, we didn't get a food analogy from you. Uh, well, actually, I thought you had one. 
I mean, I I had one ready in the event that it made sense, but I shouldn't just invent oh. a food analogy but that's, on this. That's spot. how that's how it works, Brandon. You just you make it up. That's the Ryan way. You don't have to, but Ryan. If you if you had one you want to share, we could go with it. I mean, I'm a rookie food analogy maker, so <laughs> okay. I, I was just saving it for the right time. Yeah, we won't put him on the spot. It's okay. Uh, any final thoughts, gentlemen, before we wrap this one up, Brandon? Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's a it's a pleasure talking with you, and and so glad that our our viewers could see it as well. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, we're lucky to have you here on the show. And I think if you're a USC fan, hopefully you guys, you get the impression of what Brandon and, and Mike have been able to do at the athletic department and feel that you guys are lucky to have them, you know, representing you and the athletic department. Um, if you have any questions that they care very deeply about these programs winning, hopefully that he's answered those for you today. So, I mean, not going to make every right decision and stuff, but just seeing what they've been able to do, obviously, it, it, they have things going in the right direction. And they're treating USC football and the USC Athletic Department like I think it needs to be treated. And I think the fans really want it to. So hopefully, uh, you guys all feel how lucky you are to have these guys out here. And we're lucky that you guys would come on. So thanks for coming on, Brandon. Well, yeah, I appreciate thank you, that. Brandon. Thank you for having me. Alrighty, that's going to wrap it up. Boss man, we are going on holiday break, correct? Holiday break. I'm going to Boston for a week. So we'll, we'll come back after... Uh, I don't know, maybe before the new year or just after the new year and do some shows. We'll, we'll, we'll keep doing podcasts and stuff, but probably not the live show until after the new year. I also, think. Robert on Facebook really wanted me to tell you happy early birthday since your birthday is coming up, Mr. Oh, Boston. thank you. Yes. Uh, another another year. December 29? I'll be 51, <laughs> 51. on Wednesday. Look at that. So, yes, Look at that. I, I tried. I set you up for it. Thank you. you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he so. embraces it. Alrighty, that's gonna wrap it up. That's Brandon, that's Ryan, I'm Keely. We'll see y'all next time. Bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.